0: Hi guys, Russell here. Uh, I'm on the road at the moment uh, with my son's go-karting um, uh, and my access to the internet's a little bit limited. So I thought what I would do is just write an article I've been thinking about for a while on The Economist. Uh, so recently I posted uh, uh, an article about how the, you can consider The uh, Economist or at least the cover of The Economist as a contra. And in particular, I was talking about the, and you can see it. The picture here is riding high. The lessons of America's astonishing economy, and given the history of uh, how the uh, uh, the Economist uh, has worked, you know, you'd be worried. And certainly, you've seen bank failures, you've seen lots of other things, um, which you know should be disconcerting when you see this sort of stuff. Now, the thing is that even though I call the contra the uh, they call The Economist a Contra, I still think of it as a very good newspaper. Uh, they they insist that you call it a newspaper, even though to me it seems like a magazine. Uh, I think that's for regulatory purposes, or I'm not 100% sure, but that's what they insist on being called, so we're going to call it a newspaper. Now, I've been reading The Economist since I was about 16, uh, and my mum, or my mother, was very keen on her children reading well. So we always had copies of uh, intellectual magazines lying around. The Economist was one. The Bulletin, which is an Australian sort of version of The Economist, a few more cartoons in it, which made it a bit more interesting when I was younger. And and the Far Eastern Economic Review. If you've never heard of that, don't don't worry. It's it's now gone bust. But, but for people in the know, this was uh, a fantastic, fantastic magazine dealing with lots of different... Uh, and what would probably consider for most people in u s and europe uh esoteric issues, but very important importantly uh, and back in the day when I used to read a lot more Japanese now I'm too lazy and too old and too tired uh Toyo Kezai was phenomenal uh, I really found some of the articles in there of interesting, really interesting ideas that uh I'd never really encountered before uh, you know and I've always found that the Japanese have a very different way of thinking about things which I've really enjoyed. Um, I think they do an English version, i never read it, uh, but Toyo Keizai was also great. Now, the problem with The Economist is the same reason it has survived while things like the Bulletin and the Forest and Economic Review are no longer with us, and that is The Economist Knows How to Sell. And and as far as I know from reading The Economist for so long, about 50% of their subscriber base is in the U.S., Uh, And so what I find, and I I was recently, I was just talking to a friend, he found the same, is when you read the front few, you know, front 10, 15 pages of The Economist or so, it is, you know, probably what you could describe as pro-US, almost sort of, you know, very, almost simplistically so. Um, And while I dislike that, to be fair, it's the only sort of magazine slash newspaper that has survived that I've read. And so, you know, I go like, okay, you know, it has to do with it, it has to survive, maybe it's, sold, it's sold a solo bit, but that's, you know, you got to just live with that. And so what I say to people, uh, to get the most value out of The Economist these days, I would say you probably want to read it backwards. Now, when I say read backwards, uh, sometimes the online version is different to the paper version and other stuff, so I'm just going to give you a bit more detail. So what you should read, I always read, even when I'm really, really crushed for time, One of the things I really, really read is the obituary. And the reason I read the obituary is because it gives you very good details on someone's life who have been exceptional. They may not always be good. In fact, sometimes they are terrible people, but they've always had exceptional and interesting lives. And I think for me, they sort of act, uh, it gives me, uh, an inspiration to also try and be interesting and achieve things, um. And in fact, one of my life goals is to have my obituary in The Economist. Uh, I know that's a strange life goal to have, because uh, how, be how will I know if I made it or not? So it has led to a second goal of how do I fake my death long enough so I can see my obituary uh, published in The Economist. That is actually a more difficult question. Um, there's a lot of issues related to that. So what I'm going to do is not worry about that until I've done enough interesting things in my life to actually think I will get published or and, and get my obituary written up in The Economist. Um, of course, you know, one way, one of the other problems is, you know, I probably need to fake... Uh, now that I've said this, I probably need to fake my death twice. Uh, once to see if it then published. Anyway, anyway, when I start thinking about it, it starts becoming a bit like an deception. You go into deeper and deeper layers. Anyway, now for me... You After you get past the obituary section, you get to the culture section. Now, I'm going to assume the majority of Economist readers are middle-aged men. That may be... I hope, hopefully, I'm wrong. I would love to find out that the majority of his readers are, uh, are, are young people or women or whatever. But I suspect the majority of readers are middle-aged men. And so, I would strongly suggest to you to re- make sure you read every culture article. Um, is my experience as a middle-aged man myself is that I think a lot of men forget, especially around this age, that that they should work to live, and that is to enjoy all the best things, not live to work. That is just be inundated with work and always constantly thinking about. And so, if you go for the culture section and you you read the books recommended in there, see the movies recommended in there, go to the theater that's recommended in there, all of the sort of cultural things in there. I think you it will help you become a better person rather than going out and reading another annual report or analyst report or whatever. Like That is not going to make you a better person. The culture per- section will do. Um, and then you get to the science and technology pages. Now, oddly, it feels like you should skip this over if you're like working as a fund manager or something like that. I would say that is entirely wrong. Um, if I just take the most recent one I've read, it had three sections, all with very good, interesting ideas. So, for example, in the section I just read, uh, it was detailing a new technology that reduces CO2 emissions for cement manufacturing And cement manufacturing is one of the big, emit- emission, uh, big emitters of CO2. So that's probably going to take off. It's something you need to know about and research more. It also uh, gave details on a recently listed moon launching business in Japan. Fascinating. That could be something huge, and I've written about that before. And then it talked about the idea of trying to reduce redundant pill, pill consumption, which I find really interesting. And certainly I something I saw with my mother, who was taking like six or seven pills a day towards the end of her life. And what this article is saying is a lot of these pills, uh, once you get up to that sort of number of pills, you actually are probably taking redundant pills. And the whole pharmaceutical medical industry is not, not set up for you to reduce your consumption of pills, it's only ever to expand. And now you have people looking at the redundancies or trying to reduce that. So for me, it's like a f- guy used to do a short selling, I'd be thinking, that is fascinating. I wonder what pills they find are most redundant. And then if you look and see what the profits related to that pill are, you could have a reasonable short idea. All of these require work, but they're very interesting ideas, uh, which could be huge money-making ideas, and none of them are at the front. They're all at the back of, uh, of the newspaper. Um, you then get to the finance and economics section. Now, this is probably where the weakest of the back sections of The Economist. And I only say that, not that it's bad or it's wrong, but if you are relatively well-read and understand the world, you should probably know most of the things that they talk about in here. That's all I'm going to say. If you're not, then fantastic, you know, then it'll be very educational. But if you are, you know, keeping your finger on the pulse, none in the, none, nothing in this section should be that interesting. The business section for me is very good. Uh, why I like it and what I really like out of my finance and economic reading is a lack of opinion. I do not need any more opinions. I'm the guy who makes opinions on that sort of stuff. What I want is hard data that I haven't got before. A good example, again, from this sort of most recent one is it's talking about the rise of new Chinese unicorns. Now, if you had just read the front section where they're talking about crushing Alibaba, crushing 10 cents, you would think that the Chinese tech sector was a sort of uh, ghost town of tumbling, uh, tumbleweeds and, you know, all sorts of problems. And in fact, what it says is, and probably exactly what the government's aim is, is they're directing capital away from the consumer area, which they already have world leaders in, and towards technologies to replace US technologies, which is actually what they need. And what they're saying is actually you are getting a lot of uh, unicorns, which is exactly what the government wanted. It was the whole point of their policy, right? And when you read that, you suddenly go, actually, Chinese tech policy actually doesn't seem that bad. It's, it's, it's sort of meeting the needs of the nation uh, and, you know, has opened it up for more competition, reduce the power of Jack Ma, all these things. So policymaking in Chinese lens goes, oh, actually it's quite sensible and also makes you reconsider the position of the Chinese-U.S. conflict into one where China is actually firing back. But, you know, of course, building new technologies takes time, but they're going the right way about it. You then get to the international section, which is relatively new. It's been hit and miss for me, so I'm going to not really pass any comment on that at the moment. Now, here you get to the country section. Now, I must say, I, I read the UK version of The Economist, which is probably the way they organize the country section for the UK uh, version is probably the worst. Uh, I think in different countries it's done differently, So, but you know, so a lot of what I'm about to say will still make sense. So in the UK version, the first section you get is the UK. They then talk about Europe, followed by the US, then Middle East and Africa, uh, the Americas, and Asia, and then finally China. And I'll be honest, if you were really interested about where the world's going and what could change in the world and, you know, try and be ahead of the curve, you'd probably want these these sections written in reverse. China is a big mover and shaker. You know, Asia is following. The Americas, okay, maybe not so much, but definitely Middle East, Africa, uh, you know, this is the area where there's a lot of change going on. And also, even more probably prosaically, is that the average person... Gets plenty of news about the US, about the UK, about Europe. Absolutely tons of it. What they don't get is very good news uh, about Asia. They don't get, or really detailed news. They don't get a lot of good news or detailed news about the Middle East. And they certainly don't get a lot of detailed news, as I've just highlighted, about China or even India. So this is a section that, you know, they've got the whole sections in reverse if they're awry in it to educate you. However, trying to grow subscriber base and keep the subscriber base happy, I understand it. Um, now, for me, the economist recently added like a buy invitation section. I usually skip that. As I said, I don't need more opinions in my life. I'd rather hard facts. Uh, apologies for anyone who's written in that section. Sometimes it looks sort of interesting, but like I said, I just don't need that. Um, the one area I always read, of course, is the letters section. Uh, now, again, letters, sometimes it's educational, but it's not, it's not that educational, it's more of amusement. amusement, people writing diatribes against what The Economist has written, uh, or telling them how they got something wrong. Uh, and my brother, curse him, has outdone me by getting his letter published in The Economist. Uh, and, and, and then even worse, it was a very funny letter. So uh, for, for many, many years, the best-selling magazine in Australia was called Women's Weekly, and The Economist wondered why it was published mo- monthly when it was called Women's Weekly. And as my brother wrote in and said, well, it actually used to be a weekly magazine. And then, you know, they changed it to monthly. And even in Australia, we thought better of calling the magazine Women's Monthly. And I found that very funny, uh, you know, and that is, uh, I must sound very impressed with that. All my efforts to get published in the uh, Economist letter section has failed, which is probably why I'm so obsessed about the obituary section. And then finally, you get to the leaders section. And honestly, you could just read the title and you normally know what they're going to say. You know, for example, is Kia Starmart ready for office? Probably. Uh, should the West should supply Ukraine with F-16s? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the power at limits of the US dollar? Oh, please. How boring. I'm like, who, who pulled the short stroller right out? Yeah, cool. Get, yeah. Anyway, you get the idea. The leaders section is rather pointless. Um... Now, to be fair to The Economist, I still read it every week, even if, as I've given up on other newspapers and magazines, uh, including The FT, which I don't read anymore. The Seymour Morin Herald, again, I don't read that anymore. Private Eye, very rarely, but it's really an old format. I think it needs a bit more of a change, that one. And even GQ, oh, I used to love GQ, but you know, maybe that's just an age thing. So more power to The Economist. I hope it does well. And what I really hope, is uh, this advice maybe boosts the subscription base of the Economist and goes on to do better and better things and maybe even helps uh, improve the leader section of the Economist. So I live and hope that it improves and I hopefully die in the obituary section. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll talk soon. Ciao.